Welcome to another thrilling episode on Book TV. But before we dive in, let's talk about enhancing your reading experience with novel nutrition. As you lose yourself in today's story, imagine supporting your journey with our unique supplements, specially crafted for readers like you. Whether it's boosting focus with Epic, unwinding with Read, or energizing with Zip Strips, Novel Nutrition is here to complement each chapter of your literary adventure. Visit novelnutrition.co or click the link in the show notes, and don't forget to use code BOOKTV for an exclusive 20% discount. Now, let's immerse ourselves in the magic of today's story. Chapter 25 Hudson paced around his house. It was an older house tucked down an old dirt road. He liked the solitude it provided. He ran his hands over his head as he paced. He had let himself do something he'd promised he would never do again. He had let himself have feelings for another woman. After it had ended with his wife, he thought he would be better off alone than putting himself out there again like that, vulnerable and just waiting to get hurt. But there was always an exception to every rule, and Mac was the exception. She kept creeping into his thoughts when he didn't want her to. She crept her way into his dreams, and it made him feel lost and alone when he woke up. He knew Mac was something special, but he couldn't get past the drug thing. What if she was innocent? What if she had been set up? That the person they were hunting felt they had gotten too close? Anything was possible. The phone ringing interrupted his thoughts. He exhaled audibly when he saw his mother's number on the caller ID. He really didn't want to answer the phone. She always wanted to know when he was going to give her some grandbabies. Hi, Mom. How have you been? Oh, just fine, honey. How are you? How is that young lady you've been hanging out with? His mom asked. Hudson exhaled deeply. He had mentioned Mac the last time he had talked to her, and she obsessively latched onto the idea that he and Mac were an item and that she would have grandbabies soon. She's fine, I think. What do you mean, you think? You mean you don't know how your own girlfriend is doing? It's not like that, Mom. We aren't together. We were just investigating a case together, he said, trying to sound as convincing as possible. Right. That is not what I heard in your voice the last time we talked. You're excited about this young lady. You like her, and you're avoiding getting close to her. Just because that good-for-nothing ex-wife of yours did you wrong doesn't mean that you must be alone for the rest of your life. It's just not normal. You're a good man, and she would be lucky to have you. Now you march over to her house and tell her how you feel before it's too late and she goes off with some other young man. Hudson hated how well his mother knew him. I'm not having this discussion with you right now. I appreciate your concern, but I'll figure things out on my own time. I have to go. I'll call you later. Love you, Mom. Hudson quickly disconnected before she could argue. He loved his mom and had a lot of respect for her especially how much strength she had shown after they lost his younger brother, not to mention the hell his father had put her through. He would do anything for her, but he really hated when she had him pegged. Chapter 26 A short 20-minute drive from Hudson's place, Mac was also pacing around her house, looking for different ways to get out of this mess. She had added everything she knew about the case to her board. It was filed neatly with a prostitute, a dental tech, a nurse, a military spouse, and Ali, who might be the next victim. She had downloaded pictures of all the women off their social media, 
followed by pictures of all the potential men that could be involved with the case. She eliminated the younger ones and the ones with light hair. She stood and stared at her board, trying to figure things out. She had pictures of Zanira, Abigail, Liliana, Elise, and Allie, with a synopsis of what was known about each of them. The two sisters were clearly connected, but there didn't seem to be a connection with the other women, except for their appearance. Mac needed help. She was stuck, and there was only one person she could always count on. She had placed a request through her sister's handlers for her to contact Mac as soon as she was able. Lola was in hiding and being protected by some very powerful people due to her family history. Her younger sister was a brilliant hacker who could find information on just about anyone. She was amazing, and Mac really missed her. She was the only person on Earth that Mac truly trusted. She had to be careful, though, because she didn't want anyone to find Lola. Currently, she was in a safe house somewhere overseas in an undisclosed location that even Mac didn't know about. They were only allowed to talk every few months just in case someone was tracing their calls or had found Mac and was watching her. Mac felt they were safe for now because she had changed her name and joined the military. If they found her, she always felt she could escape to the safety of the base. She began to worry. It had been over 24 hours since she had requested to talk with Lola over the secured network. The victims kept creeping into her mind as she paced the room. She was wearing comfortable sweatpants that hung loosely on her hips and an old college sweatshirt with warm socks on her feet. She was always cold and could never seem to keep her feet warm enough. Her doctor had told her it was perfectly normal for a woman who didn't have much body fat to be colder. It didn't help that in Washington, there were only a couple of months of warm weather before it was time to bundle up again. She often forgot to eat when she got wrapped up in a case like this. Her appetite diminished even further when some asshole involved her personally. That had only happened a couple of times previously, but it really messed with her stomach. She moved on to the list of men she had compiled with their pictures. She had the security forces chief, whom she had known for years and couldn't imagine ever doing anything so violent. He had always been very kind to her and even protective, making sure her career was going in the right direction. She had met him when he was still a master sergeant. To this day, she still wasn't sure why he had taken an interest in her, but she appreciated all he had done for her. On the other hand, he had clearance and was involved in the case. He drove a dark-colored truck and he had dark hair. Next was the security forces commander. He was an older man as far as the military was concerned, age 41, and he had dark hair. He also had access to the victim on base and was involved in the case. He did not drive a dark truck but he had access to them. The next person on her list of suspects pulled at her heartstrings. It was Hudson. She had become quite fond of him. He was a kind and gentle giant. He had to be one of the biggest men she had ever come across, and he made her feel safe. She liked the way he talked to her and cared about what she thought. They had really hit it off until he had turned his back on her. Just thinking about their exchange at the gym made her mood darken further. She understood, kind of, but it still hurt. She had hoped he would believe in her and stand by her, but who was she kidding? He barely knew her. They had only been spending time together for a short while. Even though there was a connection, he didn't owe her anything. She wasn't entirely sure she would have responded any differently if the tables were turned and he was the one being questioned. She was pacing the floor deep in thought when her DOD mobile classified phone rang. 
Lola's security detail had secured the phone for Mac so they could communicate without their calls being traced or hacked. The only time it rang was when her sister was calling. She grabbed the phone off the end table, not wanting to miss the call. Lola, is that you? Well, hello to you, her sister's sweet, spunky voice said over the line. Mac sighed in relief. It's so good to hear from you, Lola. How are you? Oh, you know, same old, same old. Nothing really new in my world. The goons are having me hack new systems all the time, and I just get to sit here following orders like a little puppet. I know it's not fun, sis, but at least you're safe. Oh yeah, like a mouse surrounded by cats. Lola giggled. Max smiled, missing her sister terribly. So, enough about my glamorous life. What's going on with you? You wouldn't have contacted me if it wasn't serious. What? I can't just call to talk with my little sister, Max said, trying to sound offended. You know what I mean. Don't play coy with me. We don't talk because we never want them to find us. So what's so damn serious that you needed to reach out? Sometimes I wonder if all of this is really worth it. We can't even talk regularly. I miss you, Lola. I miss you too, but it's too late for all that now. We made our choices, and that's that. It's much better than how things were, and we can't change the past. Overall, they treat me well, but I know it's because I know too many of their secrets. Lola laughed. They'll never let me go. I know, Mac responded. What can I do for you on this fine day? Lola asked again. Lola was on the beautiful island of Guam. The ocean was breathtaking and the people were kind and good-hearted, but she never lost sight of the fact that she was a prisoner. She had chosen this life when she had escaped the family, but she never thought it would end up like this. She'd thought it would be exciting and glamorous to work for the government. They contracted her out to the CIA, FBI, and other government agencies that needed her specific skill set. She knew she needed their protection, but it certainly came at a price. She could hack into any system. There really wasn't one she had come across that was outside her abilities. She even could check on her sister by hacking into other people's camera systems. Lola was escorted everywhere she went and not given a moment's peace, except when she decided to fool around with one of the guards and they would do special favors for her. Sometimes she wondered what it would be like if she met the right man and started a family live a normal life or something like that. She had never known normal before, so she figured it was something like the stories in the books she read. She was a romantic at heart and wanted to one day find the perfect man. That certainly wasn't going to happen in Guam. So for now, until she could find a way out, she could at least help her big sister. She shook off the pity party and focused back on Mac. Okay, spill the beans. I've seen you with that tall, dark, and handsome. Is he good in the sack? You certainly haven't lost your spunk, Mac said with a smile. For your information, I'm not sleeping with him. And his name is Hudson. Well, why the hell not? I haven't seen you with a man in what seems like ages. A girl has needs, you know. If you don't get some soon, you'll shrivel up and become an old maid. I appreciate your concern, but stop spying on me and you won't have to worry about my sex life or lack thereof. Lola laughed. She had an amazingly loud, boisterous laugh that always made Max smile. Never going to happen. So what can I do for you? Please tell me you want me to set you up with a sexy male escort. Now that would be fun. Before getting down to business, Mac decided to turn the tables on her sister. What about you, Lola? Do you have a new man in your life?
Nah, I'm just running around here in outfits that would make most working girls blush. Teasing my guards and making them want me even more, Lola responded casually. Like that was completely normal. She had taken more after their father than their mother. She was short like Mac, and they had the same almond-shaped eyes. But that was about where the similarities stopped. Mac was curvy with dark features and took after their mother, a mix of Puerto Rican and Latino. Whereas Lola took more after their father with her long, curly red hair and pale porcelain skin. She was petite and cute, but still had the right curves to attract plenty of attention. She always reminded Mac of a pixie fairy with an attitude. Why am I not surprised? Mac laughed. Lola, I'm in a little bit of trouble, and I could really use your help. Anything, you know that, Lola responded. Thank you. So I've been accused of being involved in a drug ring. Mac paused to let that sink in. I've been tracking a serial killer, or at least I think he's a serial killer, and one of the suspects is a guy I really like. Oh, that's all? Boy, when you step in the shit, you really go deep, Lola chortled. Seriously, I need you to do some digging. I'm not sure what I'm up against, and to be honest, I'm kind of freaking out here. I worked hard to create this new world, and I would like to keep it. I'm not sure if I can handle starting over again, and certainly not in the outside world. I'm protected in the military. I know I'll have to face that one day, but I'm just not ready yet. Calm down, sis. You know I'll help you. We'll figure this out together. Send me everything you have, and I'll get back to you as soon as I can. Thank you, Lola. I appreciate you more than you know, Mac said, and hung up the phone. It had always struck Mac as odd. No matter what, Lola always sounded relaxed and at ease in any situation. Mac assumed it was just her way of protecting herself, but she also knew she herself was a worrier, especially when it came to Lola. They had always protected each other when they were kids. Mac had taken the brunt of it to protect Lola, but her sister hadn't gotten out unscathed. She thought about Lola all the time and worried about her constantly. At least under government protection, she would be safe, or at least Mac hoped she would be. She thought about her all the time and wished things could be different. Chapter 27 Mac wasn't one to sit around and let the world handle itself. She called Joe Romero to ask if there were any new updates on the prostitute case. Hi, Mac. It's good to hear from you. I thought you had forgotten all about me, Joe said in his slow, southern drawl. Hi, Joe, it's good to hear your voice. How have you been? Better now that you called, Joe said. Mac smiled into the phone. Joe, I was wondering if you had anything new on your missing working girl. Oh, I'm hurt, darling. You're calling me about a case? And here I thought you were just calling because you liked me, Joe pouted. Mac blew out an exasperated breath. Okay, okay, I give, Joe said. Nothing on this end. I've had several new cases lately, so that one kind of went on the back burner, to be honest. Why are you asking? There have been some new developments in our case. I was wondering if you would mind if I went downtown to talk with some of Abigail's associates. Mac left out the part about the new development that she was now suspected of being in a drug ring. Sure, but be careful down there. Those girls are tough, and their pimps aren't very pleasant either. Call me if you get into any trouble. Sure thing, Joe, thank you, Mac replied and hung up. Mac drove to Sprague, where Joe had told her that Abigail used to work. She was in an old pair of form-fitting jeans and a short, trim-cut leather jacket. 
Her hair was pulled back into a ponytail, and she wore no makeup. She wanted to blend in and not look threatening, but most importantly, she certainly didn't want anyone to think she was one of the working girls. It was getting late, and most of the girls were mulling around looking for a prospective John so they could make their money for the night. And Joe had told Mac to look for a tall woman that liked to wear animal print. She walked up and down the street. There were multiple girls and some not-so-friendly-looking large men sitting off in the shadows watching. Mac assumed they were the pimps Joe had warned her about. They eyed her up and down with a hungry look in their eyes. She felt a shiver creep up her spine and quickly moved on. She instinctively touched the gun strapped to her side for comfort. Her eyes scanned the street and finally spotted Latifa down the next block. Joe had told her that Abigail and Latifa were roommates and looked out for each other. Mac thought they made for an odd pair of friends. Abigail looked like an exotic young woman who played the innocent girl. And Latifa was a beautiful tall woman with smooth cocoa skin, who was larger than life in more ways than one. She had wild hair that exploded off her head in all directions. And true to Joe's word, she was dressed head to toe in animal print. Latifa looked at her as she approached and gave her an appreciative look up and down. She let out a low whistle. Damn girl, with a body like that, you could put J-Lo to shame. And that olive skin of yours. Don't tell me you're a working girl. Shit, you'd put me out of business. Max smiled and tried not to laugh. No one had referred to her that way before. Nah, I was just wondering if I could ask you a few questions. Latifa looked her up and down again with her head cocked to one side. Are you the police? She drawled. No, not at all. However, I am investigating a case on base. I work for the defense council and want to ask you about Abigail. Latifa lowered her eyes at the mention of Abigail. I sure do miss that girl, she whispered in a low voice. Would you mind if I ask you a few questions? Mac asked again. Nah, I guess not. Business is kind of slow today anyway. Could I interest you in a little dinner while we talk? My treat. Well, now that's an offer I just can't refuse. Plus, I always do better work on a full stomach. Makes me less cranky with the customers and all. She flashed a mischievous smile that lit up her eyes. I know a diner right up the street, Max said as she started walking. It was cold out, and the wind was whipping through her hair. Latifa's wild hair bobbed up and down as she walked in her heels. The cold wind was creeping through Max's clothes. Latifa was wearing much less than she was, so she had to be freezing. Don't you freeze out here in the wintertime? Mac inquired. Nah, we usually aren't out here that long when business is good. When it ain't, we just slide into one of the doorways to get out of the wind. It ain't that bad, really. You kind of get used to it after a while. They turned the corner and approached a small diner that was open 24 hours a day. It looked old and run down from the outside, but Mac knew the food was delicious. It was owned by a retired military guy and his wife. Their kids often worked as the waitstaff and bust the tables. They were good people and fantastic cooks. The restaurant hadn't taken off the way they had hoped, but Gerald, the owner, loved to cook and loved talking to people even more. They walked in the door and heard a little bell ring. Gerald stuck his head out of the kitchen. Hey, Mac, how you doing, hon? It's been a minute. I thought you might have found a better place to eat. Mac smiled. Hi, Gerald, it's nice to see you too. And that will never happen. You serve the best food in town. You know it. Can't beat my comfort food. Who's your friend? 
This is Latifa. Do you mind if we take the table in the back? Mac asked. Go right ahead, hon. You take whatever table you want. I'll send someone over to take care of you in just a sec. Latifa and Mac settled into one of the back booths. The leather was a deep red color that had cracked in several places. The tabletop was weathered and the seats worn, yet Mac always felt welcome and at home here. It was a safe place where people didn't judge. They always had a smile and kind words for her every time she visited. Thanks for agreeing to talk with me, Latifa. What can you tell me about Abigail? Mac asked. Well, not much, I'm afraid. I know she didn't date much. The job tends to do that to you. It's hard having a real relationship with someone if you're turning tricks, you know. Most guys that want to date us have mental issues or are just plain freaky. She certainly kept some regulars around, though. She played the young, innocent girl routine to a T. It was impressive to watch. That girl could get men to buy her just about anything. They all wanted to save her from this life. Now, did she have anyone recently that was creeping her out a bit? As a matter of fact, now that you mention it, she had a guy, or at least I think it was a guy, that tucked his truck down the side street and kept watching us. I wasn't sure if he was watching her in particular, but he sure did give us all the creeps. And then on the night she went missing, she climbed into that same truck. Latifa shook her head. I know this kind of thing happens, but that young one was a good girl. She really had a chance to get out and make something of herself. I really care for that girl. If there's anything I can do to help you find her, you let me know. Thank you, Mac replied. Did you see anything that made the truck stick out? Could you see the person behind the wheel? Latifa shook her wild hair back and forth. Nah, I could only make out the silhouette of what looked like a large man. He didn't have plates on the front of the truck or anything, so I don't know. Do you remember what color it was? It was dark blue, maybe black. Not sure. Sorry I can't tell you more. The waitress came over after a bit, and they ordered their food. Latifa ordered the steak and baked potato, and Mac ordered a hamburger and fries. The food came out quickly, and both ladies dug in like they hadn't eaten in days. It was mouth-watering. The meat was juicy and tender with just the right amount of seasoning. Latifa moaned softly. Now that has to be one of the best meals I've ever eaten. How is it that I worked just up the street and didn't even know about this place? I'll have to pace myself. If I overeat here, I won't fit into my clothes anymore. And that's an issue in my line of work. She chuckled. I hear ya. Mac said. I love coming here, but my job frowns on me gaining weight. I have to pass a physical fitness test every year. If I gain weight, I also have to buy new uniforms, and that's expensive. They fell into a long silence as they finished their meals. Mac felt the conversation wasn't going to offer any additional information, so she asked for the check. After paying and leaving a tip, both ladies walked back onto the cold street. One more thing, Latifa. Did Abigail have any problems with her pimp or a handler? Latifa smiled sadly. Yeah, we all have problems with them, but they would never damage the merchandise. They take a cut from our earnings, and Abigail was one of their best earners. They would have been crazy to hurt her. She was worth too much. What about you, Latifa? Are you planning to get off the streets one day? Oh, I don't know, sugar. This is all I've really ever known. I ran away when I was just a kid because my stepdad was taking turns with me. So, I'm not really sure what else I would do with myself. Latifa didn't seem sad about it, just resigned to the way life was. Mac nodded her head. 
If you think of anything else, please give me a call. She handed her a card. They walked back to where Mac was parked. Take care of yourself and let me know if you ever want to change things. I might know a few people who could help you out. Thanks, I'll keep that in mind. You take care of yourself and watch your back. There's a lot of evil out there. There's a secret once hidden, a treasure the ancients used daily. It's turmeric, the golden spice of life. In the heart of ancient India, this revered root was more than a culinary delight. It was a symbol of purity, a source of wellness. Novel Nutrition brings this secret to you with our fire supplement. Each fire gummy is a nod to those ancient traditions, harnessing the natural, powerful anti-inflammatory and antioxidant benefits that have supported health and vitality for centuries. Nab your supply of Novel Nutrition's fire by clicking the link in the description and using code BOOKTV for a 20% discount. Read more. Live more. Be more. Chapter 28 Frustrated, Mac headed for her house. She had hoped Latifa would know more, but she only confirmed what Joe had already told her. There had to be more out there, but she just couldn't put her finger on it. Her thoughts kept running over what they knew about the case, like a spin cycle set on repeat. She drove down her street lost in thought when she realized the lights were on at her place. She veered her SUV off to the side of the road and watched the house. She knew she hadn't left the lights on. The only light she ever left on was the porch light. She always kept her house secured and locked up tight. She killed the engine and quietly slipped out of the driver's seat. Keeping her body low to avoid detection, she crept up to the side of the house, pressing her body close to the garage. She stopped and listened for any sound, controlling her breathing before moving forward. Peering around the corner of the garage through the front windows, she saw no one. Her heart almost stopped when she heard a rustling in the bushes behind her until a cat came slinking out and ran past. Okay, okay, get a grip, Mac told herself. Whoever broke in is probably already gone. She moved closer to the house. Keeping her body low, she made her way to the side window where the breakfast nook was. It gave her an unobstructed view of the living room and kitchen. Every light in the house appeared to be on. Her breath caught in her throat when she looked in and saw complete destruction. The place was a complete wreck. Her heart sank as she saw all her belongings thrown about. They're just things. They aren't important, she tried to convince herself. She clenched her fists and wanted badly to hit something. She felt an overwhelming need to make someone else feel as violated and angry as she was. Mac steadied herself and then retrieved her phone from her back pocket. She swiped the phone to find Joe's number and called. He picked up on the second ring. Joe, this is Mac. Someone broke into my house tonight, she said, angry at the way her shaky voice came across. Are you okay? Joe asked. Yes, I was out talking with Latifa. I wasn't home, but they trashed my place, Mac said, trying to keep control of her emotions. Have you gone inside? No, I don't see anyone in the house, but I haven't checked. Good. Go back to your car and wait for me to get there. Send me your address. Okay, thanks. Mac was normally more pig-headed and would check herself, but this had rocked her, and she also wasn't stupid. If the killer was still in her house, she didn't want to go in and confront him. 
He was clearly capable of doing all kinds of nasty things, and he preferred to prey on women, which was not in her favor. Plus, she needed to get the police report on the incident for the insurance anyway. She quietly walked back to her car and waited. There was no movement, and her house was silent. Normally, she really enjoyed the quiet little street she lived on. It was an older one-story home with a brick front and pillars surrounding the porch. She always thought it looked like a little cottage out of a fairy tale. She had neighbors, but most of them were quiet and kept to themselves. She sat there in her car in the dark, waiting. It only took 15 minutes for Joe to show up. She was surprised to see Hudson pulling up right behind him. Her heart skipped a beat. She wasn't sure how she felt about Hudson at the moment. She felt betrayed by him, but at the same time, she knew he didn't owe her anything. But it still stung. All three of them got out of their vehicles, nodded their heads in acknowledgement, and advanced toward the house in silence. They looked at each other, but said nothing. As they got closer, they all pulled their guns in anticipation of the pending threat. Max's pulse quickened as they approached. It was clear the lock had been picked. The intruder had left scratches around the keyhole, leaving no doubt it had been messed with. Mac kicked herself mentally. She had meant to install better locks on the house and had just never gotten around to it. She had also meant to install a security system, and that hadn't happened either. Joe opened the house, slowly looking around. Hudson came next, followed by Mac. They went in different directions as they entered, checking the house room by room, yelling, clear, each time they had secured a room. The house had been ransacked and looked like a tornado had come through. On the surface, it didn't appear anything was missing. The intruder was long gone, but he sure did leave a mess in his wake. He had even emptied her pantry. Not that she had a ton of food, but the food she did have covered the floor. Thankfully, the intruder had left her fridge alone, and she wouldn't have to replace that. It was something to be thankful for. He had gone through her drawers and ransacked her bedroom. He'd even stripped the sheets off her bed. She took a deep breath. It was going to be a long night, but she had to clean it all up or she just wouldn't be able to sleep. Can you tell me if anything is missing? Joe asked as he began taking notes. He was going from room to room, taking pictures and making notes of what he found now that everyone's adrenaline had gone down and the house was clear and relatively safe for the moment. Not anything that stands out, Mac responded absently looking around. She was shaking slightly but didn't want to show her fear. She had learned a long time ago that showing fear was a form of weakness. On top of her deep-seated trust issues, she also had a hell of a time showing her emotions. She always internalized them. Hudson came around the corner with a little multicolored kitten in hand. It sure does look like they did a number on your place, he said. He was stroking the kitten's head. The little furball looked completely at peace against his strong chest. Mac thought it would feel good to be cuddled up against his chest, too. He walked over and handed her the kitten. His woodsy scent invaded her sinuses. It calmed her almost immediately. I didn't know you had a kitten, he said, pulling her back to reality. I don't. He must have wandered in from outside somewhere, Mac said. The kitten was purring against her chest. Any idea who might have done it? Hudson asked. No, but someone is trying to get to me. First, the false allegations about me being involved in a drug ring, which is complete bullshit, and now this. Someone is trying to knock me off their trail. I don't know who it is, but I'm sure as hell going to find out, 
she said angrily. Joe walked up. What do you mean, drug ring? I wasn't told about any drug charges against you. They're UCMJ charges on base. They are investigating me under Article 112A, wrongful use, possession, and possible distribution. They have absolutely no evidence, but someone wants me off this case and badly. I can't even work in my own office because of the investigation. They assigned me to the chaplain's office. I see, Joe said. Anything I can do to help? Nah, it'll blow over as long as they didn't actually plant evidence or anything. I've been through worse. I can handle it on my own. Thanks for asking, Joe, Mac said pointedly, looking at Hudson. Mac, this guy could really be dangerous, Hudson said protectively, trying to show he was also there to help. Yeah, and I can handle myself. I'm sure you wouldn't want to put your precious career in danger. Mac instantly regretted her choice of words. Hudson lowered his eyes. I'm sorry, Mac. I didn't know what to think. Honestly, I still don't. But it certainly looks like you're being set up. Or at least someone is trying to do you and your career a great deal of harm. Don't be too hard on old Hudson, Joe said. He has a bit of a nasty history with drugs. Mac raised an eyebrow. Hudson glared at Joe. That was not for you to share. Are you an addict? Mac asked bluntly. I wouldn't be wearing the uniform if I was, and you know it, Hudson responded. If you really want to know, it was my little brother. He overdosed and died when we were young. His eyes filled with sadness. I'm sorry. Don't be. It was a long time ago. Mac set the kitten down and started wandering around, picking things up off the floor. She was making a pile of all the clothes and bedding. Hudson followed and started helping without saying a word. He picked up a pile of her clothes that had been thrown across the room and realized one of the articles was a silky pair of pink thong panties with a little lace triangle in the front. His mind immediately went to all kinds of inappropriate thoughts. He quickly dumped the pile of clothes in with the others that needed cleaning and cleared his throat. So what are we going to do about all this? Mac was about to respond and point out that we weren't going to do anything when Joe walked in. Mac? I can have a patrol drive by your place. We don't have the manpower to keep someone posted here, but I can have someone do a drive-by on the regular. Thank you, Joe, but that won't be necessary. I'll be fine. I can handle myself. If this guy shows up again while I'm home, he'll get more than he bargained for, Max said, squaring her shoulders. Hudson was about to tell her what he thought about her last statement, but decided not to push the issue until they had at least cleaned the place up a bit. He walked into her tiny home office. There were papers everywhere. He started picking them up and looking at them as he went. There were pictures and details of the victims they were looking into, and of Ali. Then he picked up a piece of paper that listed possible suspects and saw his name. He felt his temper flare. At the top of the list, she had written what she knew about the predator. In dark letters, it said, access, dark trucks, dark hair, older, motive. Next to the word motive, there was a question mark. He took several breaths, trying to calm himself and see it from her point of view. He had three check marks next to his name, which meant he met three of her criteria. She walked into the tiny office behind him. He turned around and handed her the piece of paper with his name on it. He didn't look at her, just brushed past her and walked out the front door. Joe walked in a few seconds later. What the hell is wrong with Hudson? He asked. 
Max said nothing but handed him the piece of paper. Oh, Joe said. Chapter 29 Hudson drove home fuming. He hated that Mac had gotten under his skin. Why on earth did she think he was a suspect? He tried to calm down and think of it from her point of view. She didn't know him very well, and he really didn't know her all that well either. So why was it that his brain felt scrambled every time he was around her, and he wanted nothing but her? All he had wanted to do was hug her and make her feel safe. Take away that look of fear in her eyes. But no, he had to get pissy and stomp off like an overgrown child. What the hell was wrong with him when he was around that woman? He decided not to look too closely at how Mac made him feel and just focus on the case. If he could solve the case, then maybe he would have time to look closer at his feelings. When Hudson got home, he paced back and forth, feeling restless and uneasy. His home felt safe and secure. He couldn't imagine how Mac was feeling after her entire home had been turned upside down. He ran his hand over his head and took a deep breath. He slammed his fist against the wall. He hated the fact that she got to him the way she did. He walked into his small bathroom and splashed water on his face. There was only one thing he could do. He had to go back and see her. He went to his bedroom with the worn comforter on the oversized bed. The California king-sized bed was the only thing that would fit his frame. He would miss sleeping in comfort tonight, but she was worth it. Hopefully her couch was more comfortable than it looked. Hudson pulled up in front of Mac's small house and quickly crossed the front lawn, looking around for any movement. He saw nothing. He thought about doing a perimeter check, but thought better of it without letting Mac know he was around. She already had him on her list of suspects. It would not do him well or win him any favors if she thought he was the one snooping around her property. He walked up to her door and knocked with three loud raps on the door. He heard her mulling around inside. He squared his shoulders and stepped back from the peephole so she could see him. She hesitated and then, without opening the door, asked, What do you want, Hudson? It's been a really long night and I have a lot to do. He took a deep breath. I'm sorry for storming out earlier. I saw your suspect list. I understand you were just being thorough in your investigation. I get that I meet some of the criteria as a suspect. I'm here to prove to you that I shouldn't be on that list. If you'd let me, I would like to sleep on your couch just in case the intruder comes back. Mac exhaled loudly, not because she was frustrated, but because she felt vulnerable around him. She looked through the peephole again and saw his broad chest and strong arms waiting there patiently. Thoughts of how long it had been since she had been held, how good that sounded at the moment with what was going on, flooded her brain. She slowly opened the door and removed the chain that hung between her, and Hudson then stepped aside, letting him pass. He had an overnight bag in one hand and his uniform on a hanger in the other. She thought it was comical how much bigger his uniform was compared to hers. It looked like a giant's uniform. When he walked past her, he caught the faint scent of vanilla and honey again. He loved the way she smelled. It threw his mind straight into the gutter, dreaming up all kinds of inappropriate thoughts. Now was not the time. He was there to keep her safe, not maul her like a crazed teenager, though the thought had merit. Can I get you anything? Mac asked. Hudson hung his uniform on the doorknob so he wouldn't look like he was wearing a garbage bag the next day and set his bag down. 
She took in an even breath and then exhaled slowly. This man was standing in front of her in sweatpants and an old t-shirt, and he still took her breath away. It should be illegal to look that good. Hudson bent forward and slipped off his shoes. He looked up to see her staring at him, and a small, sexy grin crossed his lips. Do you like what you see? Not going to happen, Hudson. I have enough issues without bringing the likes of you into my life. Hudson looked offended. What's that supposed to mean? It means I'm not exactly in a position to start any kind of romantic relationship right now, and I am certainly not in the market for one. That crap just brings trouble, she responded more forcefully than she meant to. Hudson stood to his full six foot six height, and she had to strain her neck to look him in the eyes. Mac, I know you've been hurt, and you have some major trust issues, but I hope with time you'll learn to trust me, he said in a low voice. You have to understand there's been a lot going on. In one short week, I've had my home and career violated, and I did nothing wrong other than investigating a case. I want you to know that I've had nothing to do with drugs and never will. My family has an ugly past with that stuff as well. I won't ever get mixed up with it. It destroys people and families. She looked down and blew out a low breath. Without saying another word, he wrapped his arms around her in a warm embrace. There was nothing sexual about it, but the feel of his huge body against hers sparked a flame that she wasn't prepared to deal with. He felt warm and safe and smelled amazing. Electricity coursed through her, and she knew she wanted more. The stress immediately drained from her body as she snuggled into his chest. She stayed there for a while, just enjoying the sensation. Hudson slowly pulled away from her. I like you a great deal, Mac. It's been a long time since I felt anything for a woman after my ex-wife. I would like to explore this once we know you're safe. Right now, I think it would cloud my judgment. I have a hard time thinking clearly when you're around. He wore a mischievous smile on his lips that reached his eyes. Max stayed quiet and looked at him. A concerned look came across his face. He cleared his throat. I mean, if you're interested in exploring a relationship with me, he said quietly. She liked that he felt off balance around her. It made her feel good and confident. But it also told her that he was serious and not just trying to get in her pants. She put on a stern look. I don't know, Hudson. You can be a pain in the ass sometimes. And I'm not the easiest person to be around either. Hudson smiled again. I'll take my chances. Now let's get this place cleaned up and get a little sleep so we can function tomorrow. Chapter 30 Quick pause in our story to remind you about novel nutrition. Enhance your reading sessions with our bespoke supplements. See if you can figure out which blend is our favorite. Oh, and just for Book TV listeners, use code BOOKTV at NovelNutrition.co for a special 20% discount. Now let's return to our story. Joe's promise to check in and have some of his patrols do drive-bys and even Hudson sleeping on her couch did little to help her sleep. Every time the wind blew or the house creaked, she would jump awake, and it took her too long to get back to sleep. She tiptoed out to make the morning coffee and almost laughed out loud at the sight of Hudson. She'd felt awful for him because he barely fit on her little couch, his arms and legs dangling uncomfortably off the edge. Mac arrived at the chaplain's office feeling exhausted 
and a little rattled. She was sucking down her second cup of coffee and not looking forward to the day. After her house had been destroyed, she hadn't slept at all. Hudson's sleep on her couch had helped, but now she couldn't get rid of the image of him standing in a towel outside her bathroom that morning. He'd stepped out because he'd forgotten the t-shirt that he wore under his uniform. His body was muscular and toned in all the right places. She went around the corner with her cup of coffee and couldn't even speak. That man really should come with a warning label for crying out loud. Now she sat at the extra desk they had given her to use. She felt like she had no purpose. Chaplain Bastion had stopped by earlier to see how she was holding up, but he really didn't have anything to keep her busy. She answered some emails and forwarded the ones she could no longer help with to her boss. She began searching the internet for clues to what she had missed. With limited information access, she really couldn't do much. Mac closed her eyes, took a deep breath in, then blew it out, trying to maintain her composure. She had to think. What other angles could she explore? She looked at Abigail's Facebook page, trying to figure out the links between Zonira, Ali, Abigail, Liliana, and Elise. She had a sinking feeling that there were more women out there, but she just didn't know where to start. There had to be some clue as to who was behind these missing or murdered women. She just had to stay focused. She was concentrating, lost in thought, when a voice behind her made her jump out of her skin. Mac turned around to see the security forces chief standing behind her. Good morning, Mac. What are you up to? She shrugged a shoulder up and down. Just passing the time, she said, rolling her eyes. Until they figure out that I'm not guilty of this crap. I heard all about it, he responded in his deep, gruff voice. He had dark features and a broad chest. He stood proud in his uniform. She was keenly aware that he fit most of her main suspect criteria, but she also saw him as big brother and could never imagine him hurting anyone especially women. To Mac, he had always seemed so kind and respectful, never frazzled or upset, just even tempered. How about a run, he asked. Mac gave him a disappointed look. You know how much I hate to run? Yeah, but you have a lot going on and it'll clear your head. Fine, if you insist. But we're going at my pace, not yours. Deal? She went into the ladies' room to change into her running clothes. Really, she had nothing better to do, and maybe discussing things with her longtime mentor would help clear her head a little. Right now, it just felt like she was spinning her wheels. They started a slow jog down the sidewalk in front of the chaplain's building. It was cold out, but the sun was still shining down, casting a slightly warm glow over them. So what are you going to do about this? Chief asked. I really don't know, but I have to do something. Someone is out there trying to ruin my career. They tossed my place last night trying to scare me off. Are you okay? Is anything missing? Did you file a police report? Chief fired questions off in quick succession. Yes, I did all that, but nothing was missing. They just trashed the place. I see. Is there anything I can do? Not that I can think of, Mac responded. So what do you know so far? Chief asked. Mac went through everything she knew going into detail about each woman involved and that she suspected there were other victims she just didn't know about yet. He looked down at her inquisitively. I thought you were pulled off your caseload altogether. Mac, you could really get yourself into more trouble here. You have a stellar career. I know you want to solve this, but if you just step back and let the investigators work it out, 
then the evidence will show what really happened, Chief said flatly, pinning her with a stern expression. Always the big brother, she thought. You and I both know that's not the way this always works. If it did, I'd be out of business. Plenty of good men and women in our wonderful Air Force have been wrongfully accused of a crime. Look at Johnson. He's still sitting in pretrial confinement for killing his wife, and he only has half his defense team at work. We've seen members who have had to deal with punishments that were disproportionate to their crimes. In this case, I'm absolutely 100% not guilty, and I'm not going to sit around twiddling my thumbs waiting for some jackass to figure out they're wrong, she said with fury in her eyes. Okay, okay, but don't say I didn't warn you. I'm just worried about you and your career. I don't want to see things getting any worse. He had a good point. Maybe she shouldn't be pushing, at least not publicly. Staying under the radar was a much better idea. Chapter 31 She stopped by the gym for a quick shower, then walked back into the office. Her body ached from the run and exhaustion as the rest of her day dragged on. Hudson texted her, asking how her day was. Her response was only half true when she said she was fine. This situation had knocked her off balance. Her pride always got the best of her, and she hated when someone questioned her integrity. Her strength, dependability, and honesty were the things she was most proud of. She never wavered outside the lines. It was against her nature to break the law. She had worked with enough military criminals to know that wasn't the type of life she wanted to live. She was very thankful she had escaped her own family's criminal empire and never wanted to go back. That was a part of her life she tried hard not to think about. Even though she had escaped over 13 years ago, she still found herself looking over her shoulder, waiting for one of them to show up. Her phone rang, bringing her back to reality. She didn't recognize the phone number on the caller ID. Even though it was her personal cell phone, she always answered the same way. In her line of work, she was always on call, so she never knew. Good afternoon. This is Technical Sergeant McGregor. What can I do for you? Hi, this is Zachariah Ward from the CDA Police Department, said a slightly high-pitched voice across the line. Joe Romero said you would be stopping by to look at some of our case files a few days ago, but then we didn't hear anything else from you. Yes, thank you for following up. We had some things come up here and didn't get the chance. Is there any way you could send me the case files? Sure can. What are you guys looking at on your end? Zach asked. Mac gave him a rundown of the case with Abigail and Zonira. We also suspect our next victim might be Ali Ahmad. She's the sister of our second possible victim. My theory is that our guy is killing women who all share similar looks. Zonira and her sister Ali could have been twins if not for their age difference. That's an interesting theory, Zach said. Our dental technician, Mrs. Liliana Broadsmith, went missing approximately four months ago and has yet to show back up. Her husband has been calling me every day, but we can't find any trace of her. She hasn't left any financial footprint and no one has seen her. She went to work and then to a yoga class. That was the last time anyone saw her. We haven't found any witnesses or leads. It's like she simply fell off the face of the earth. Was there any video surveillance around the yoga studio or outside of the nearby stores? Nothing, Zach responded. No traffic cameras in the area. The studio she was at was in a rural area that didn't see a lot of traffic. It was on her way home from work. So 
We aren't sure if she had been stalked and abducted or simply had an affair and ran off with another man. It happens, you know. Yeah, it does. Can you send me everything about her? What about the nurse? She asked. What do you have on her? It sounds like a pretty grisly scene from what Joe tells me. Yeah. Zach took a deep breath. Her name was Mrs. Elise Morrison. She was married with two small children at home. It was kind of weird, too. It almost looked like the person who killed her had strangled her, revived her, and then had intercourse with her while stabbing multiple times throughout. Then he redressed her in clothes that didn't belong to her. We're not sure why. Normally, if it's a sexual sadist, the killer likes to stab the victim while they're still alive as a form of sexual release. But we're not sure if that was the case here. Mac had studied cases like that and agreed that this killer had some interesting characteristics. If there was, in fact, one killer. She still wasn't 100% convinced the cases were related. So, Zach, tell me, what did the women look like? Well, he said, hesitating a little. They were both very beautiful and kind of looked alike, but certainly not identical. They both had long, dark hair, medium tan skin, dark eyes, not tall, and were subjectively attractive. That sounds similar to our victims, Mac responded. Is there any way you guys could check in on Ali Ahmad? She works at the State Line Strip Club. She may be his next target. If these cases are related, then it only makes sense that Ali would be on this guy's hit list. No problem, I'll go check on her myself this evening. What's her address? Zach asked. Mac rattled off the address and thanked him for his time. She wrapped up for the day and headed for the house, hoping that the case file would be in her inbox by the time she arrived home. Chapter 32 Mac had texted Hudson to let him know she had more information. He texted back that he would wrap up and meet her at her place with some dinner. She felt on high alert as she walked up to her house. The fatigue was starting to sink in after not sleeping or eating enough. Before entering, she did a perimeter check and looked inside all the windows. Anger flared at the person who had taken her security away. She wanted to feel safe, but now all she expected to find was a boogeyman waiting for her. It was ridiculous. She hoped to find this bastard soon so her life could go back to normal. Plus, she desperately needed some sleep. The exhaustion was making her even more paranoid, and that didn't help anything. Her door was still locked when she checked it. Relief swept over her, but she still kept her gun drawn as she walked from room to room, even checking inside the closets, the bathroom, and the pantry to make sure no one was there. She went back to the front door and locked it just to be safe. She stepped into her room and slipped out of her uniform. She was standing there in her uniform t-shirt and black socks when she heard Hudson's knock. Just a minute, she hollered toward the door. He stood on the other side, waiting patiently with their dinner in hand. She walked up and checked the peephole just to make sure it was him. She opened the door and stood before him in her socks and t-shirt, but nothing else. She smiled at the look on his face. Wow, was all he said. Mac laughed and smiled wickedly. What? You get turned on by uniform socks? No, he said in a low, sultry voice. I get turned on by you. She smiled at him shyly and walked away, swaying her hips. Well, in that case, I'll go put on my old man's sweatpants. That should really do it. She smiled back at him while walking into her room. 
She came out a few minutes later wearing a worn-out pair of sweats and a threadbare T-shirt that was see-through in certain spots. Hudson tried not to stare, but she looked amazing. Who was he kidding? She looked amazing in anything. But he'd promised to leave her alone until they got to the bottom of the case, after which they could figure this thing out without all the stress and distractions. Plus, he didn't want her to do something she would later regret just because she was feeling vulnerable. Mac walked into the office to see if the file from Zach had come through yet. I hope you like Chinese food, Hudson said as he put the food on the kitchen table. One of my favorites, she hollered from the office. Thanks for picking it up. She booted up her computer, waited while her email loaded, and was happy to see the requested file waiting for her in her inbox. She printed two copies for them to review after dinner. Then she turned around and collided into Hudson's chest not realizing he had been standing behind her. He reached down and wrapped her in his warm embrace. Her sister called this the hug factor. She always said you knew he was a good man if he could give a good, warm hug and make the world seem like a better place. Boy, does Hudson have a nice hug. He was strong and smelled amazing. She could feel the heat of his skin warming her. He pulled away, lowered his head down, and touched his forehead against hers. Are you hungry? Yes, she said, but we should probably eat first. She grinned. He laughed in his deep, sexy baritone. With that kind of talk, we're both going to get into trouble. He reluctantly turned away and sat down at the table. The old wooden chair creaked under his large frame. They ate in relative silence, listening to the sound of the printer humming in the background. Mac sat down and took a bite of her food savoring each morsel. He loved watching her eat. It scared him a little how many things he liked about her. As he sat there staring at her, he honestly couldn't think of one thing he didn't like, at least not yet. But these were feelings he wasn't sure he was ready to experience yet, so he pushed them aside. After dinner, they went into her tiny office and quickly realized it was too small to work in. They carried all the papers to the living room and spread them out across the floor. They took each case file and the pictures that went with them and started putting them in order. There were four women they knew of so far that were either missing or dead, and one potential victim. The first missing woman is Abigail, she said, and taped Abigail's picture to the whiteboard she had dragged out of her office. Under Abigail's picture, she wrote her name and that she was a working girl. She was last seen October of last year. Okay, Hudson said. What else do we know about her? Not much, I'm afraid. She didn't appear to have any family in the area, and she was working in a high-risk career field. Really, anything could have happened to her. She's had no traceable financial activity since she disappeared. But if she's running from someone, then she could be working cash only since her profession primarily peddles in cash. There's been no activity on her cell phone or her social media accounts since October of last year. Mac finished writing notes about Abigail, and then placed the picture of the next woman a few inches to the right. Okay, so this is Elise Morrison, and she's a nurse. Her body was found approximately two months after Abigail went missing, she said while writing the information below the photo. Hudson read from the file. She's married and a mother of two. She was found in a hotel room with multiple stab wounds and ligature marks on the neck, and she had been sexually penetrated. The guy must have worn gloves and a condom because they found no DNA or fingerprints on the body. But of course, she was in a hotel room, 
so there were multiple DNA and fingerprint samples on the comforter and around the room. She had also been redressed after being stabbed. Hudson stopped reading. That's a little weird. It shows remorse like he's trying to cover up what he did to her by dressing her. Zach from the CDA police department also said that her body was posed, Max said, and wrote down the details under Elise's photo. In Elise's case, her husband has a rock-solid alibi. He was in a business meeting at the time of her death that multiple people can attest to. Since Elise worked night shifts, he would sometimes have dinner meetings while the nanny watched the kids. It says that the CDA police department is still looking into the possibility of him slipping away from the meeting to kill his wife. But that doesn't seem likely. The timing just couldn't be possible. Next up is Liliana Broadsmith, who went missing two months after release, Max said. Hudson picked up Liliana's missing person file and read it to her. Okay, so Liliana was also married but had no kids. She was a dental technician. She was last seen at her yoga class. She never arrived back home and there's been no sign of her afterward. She hasn't used her credit cards or an ATM. Her husband says she's a fighter and very resourceful. Her vehicle was found abandoned down the street from her home with no signs of a struggle. They processed the vehicle, and there were no other fingerprints except for Liliana and her husband. Her husband remains a suspect in her abduction. Then there's Zonira Johnson, Max said, who was murdered only one month after Liliana's disappearance. That's an impressive acceleration if we're dealing with the same person. Hudson picked up the file on Zonira and began to read. Zonira was found in her home in base housing. Her neck was also broken. It appears that he was strangling her and applying too much pressure, crushing her larynx. Her body sustained multiple stab wounds. The medical examiner's report says that she was alive during the stabbings and then her neck got crushed. She wasn't redressed or posed. This could be because something interrupted the perp. Her husband was found screaming and holding her dead body when the police arrived. Obviously, his DNA and fingerprints are everywhere. The evidence against him isn't looking good. He has no alibi for the day. He said he was fishing and spending some alone time in the woods. The base investigators found that odd, since he had just recently gotten home from deployment. Why didn't he want to spend time with his wife on his day off? Not sure. But his wife was going to visit her sister, Max said thoughtfully. I do know everyone is different. Sometimes I need my alone time to get my head straight. Maybe he just wanted to go fishing and she didn't like fishing. It could be as simple as that. Mac wrote Hudson's question under Zonira's name. The last woman we fear may be a future victim, or is at least part of this, is Ali, Mac said. She went to the end of their timeline and placed Ali's picture up on the board. So far, what do we know about Ali? Well, we know she's single and an exotic dancer by trade. Okay. Mac wrote that information below Ali's name. She's the sister of the last victim who was murdered only 18 days ago, Hudson said. Wow, it's only been 18 days? It's amazing how much your world can get turned upside down in such a short amount of time. Hudson nodded his head in agreement and pressed forward. We suspect Ali may be the next target, but we have no evidence to support it. She lives alone and is resourceful and tough like Liliana. We also know she's attending college to become a doctor, which she has in common with the nurse. They're both in the medical profession. Hudson and Max stood back to look at their timeline. Okay, Max said. What links these women together? She drew a line under the pictures of the women and started another list titled Commonalities. Under the heading, she wrote dark hair, almond eyes, 
Olive skin tone, exotic look, high cheekbones, full lips, average to small build. Max stood there chewing on the end of the dry erase marker. Finally, she asked, what do you think, Hudson? He stood back and studied the pictures of the women carefully. Um, he said absently, I don't want to scare you, but all these women look a lot like you. I guess a little. She shifted uncomfortably and quickly changed the subject. So what do we know about our killer? Her mind wasn't ready to accept that she looked like these women, especially because she already felt like she had a target on her back. Clearly, this guy had her in his crosshairs. She had to figure out who he was before he got the chance to kill again, for both her own safety and Ali's. We know he drives a dark-colored truck, but that's a lot of people on Fairchild and in Spokane. We believe he is part of Fairchild, but he could also be someone who has a contractor's badge or was sponsored onto the base, Hudson said. Ali said that her sister was somehow involved with an older, high-ranking man with dark features. That could be nothing, but it could also be the key. True. Is there anything else we know? Nothing concrete, Max said. We know that these types of killers normally can't stop killing even if they want to. The fact that he shows remorse for some victims leads me to believe that he's repeatedly killing the same woman. We need to figure out the why. What's his trigger? He clearly knows how to cover his tracks, Hudson said. He hasn't left any physical evidence that we're aware of, which leads me to believe that he's organized and meticulous and has probably been killing for a while. He could have police or military training in crime investigation and evidence collection since he seems to know exactly what the crime scene techs are looking for. Mac offered. They sat there looking at the board. Okay, she said. So, we know the person who did this would have to be big enough to overpower a woman without her struggling or making a huge scene, as long as we're assuming he also took Abigail and Liliana. It appears that he was able to abduct these women without anyone around them noticing. The two murder victims didn't have defensive wounds. So what does that tell us? Well, Hudson responded, he could have subdued them in some way. Maybe chloroform or a strong sedative. It's also possible that he's someone the women trusted and willingly went along with. True. I think that's everything for now, she said, absently playing with her long, dark hair. Hudson exhaled beside her. We're both exhausted. Let's call it a night and look at this fresh in the morning. She laid her head on his shoulder, and he leaned back, running his fingers through her hair. They were both so tired. The stress and anxiety running through them over the last several days was wearing them down. Before long, they were both fast asleep on the couch. Hudson stirred at about 0200 hours in the morning. The lights were still on, and Mac was snuggled up beside him. Her neck was at an unnatural angle, so he slid out from underneath her and gently laid her head on the couch. He walked over to the wall and clicked off the lights. He stared out the window, wondering if someone was watching them. He didn't see anyone. Stretching his long arms and rolling his neck, he listened to his spine grind and pop from sleeping, sitting up on the couch. He was going to pay for that in the morning, but for now, they both needed some sleep on an actual bed. Otherwise, they would be too tired to solve anything. Hudson walked over to the couch and gently picked her up, doing his best not to wake her. He took her into the bedroom and gently laid her down. He hoped like hell that she wouldn't get angry with him, but he needed some solid sleep. 
He took off his shirt but left his pants on and lay next to her. For the first time in a long time, he fell fast asleep and slept solidly. Chapter 33 Mac woke the next morning to her alarm going off with Hudson's arms wrapped around her. She quickly silenced the incessant thing and snuggled into his arms. She felt so warm and safe. It was the best morning she had had in a long time. His amazing warm scent engulfed her and made her feel like she was where she was meant to be. She had never really felt this comfortable with other men. She'd always had her guard up. Her reservations about relationships ran deep because of her upbringing. Her mother had treated her father with venom, beating him down until he'd had no other choice but to walk away. After he left, for some reason, her mother missed him terribly. She took in one man after another to fill his absence. They had been evil men who were abusive to Mac and her sister, but they couldn't hold a candle to the treatment their mother would dole out. Mac still wasn't sure what made her mother the way she was, but she was cold and calculated, and she used people as pawns in her quest for power. At least she and her sister had gotten away for now. But it left Mac with a guarded personality. It wasn't that she didn't want a relationship. It was just that she was anxious about trusting others. She had so many people in her life that had betrayed her or treated her poorly that she wasn't sure if she would ever truly let her guard down. Hudson stirred beside her. He pulled her closer to his warm chest and she could feel his arousal pressing up against her. She took in a deep breath, not sure what she wanted. She knew her body wanted him. There was no question about that with the hum of arousal pulsing through her, but it wasn't that easy. He nuzzled against her and kissed her neck. She softly moaned as a shiver ran down her spine. He whispered, we better get going or we'll both be late for work. She groaned. Do we have to? Afraid so, he said. He propped himself up on one elbow and stared down at her. What? She asked. You're stunning. Max smiled a wicked little grin. You're not so bad yourself. He leaned down and pressed his lips against hers, devouring her mouth. She parted her lips, allowing his tongue to explore her mouth. He pressed up against her and groaned. His warm chest against hers was more than she could handle. He slowly pulled away. I need to go hit the shower before we let this go too far. Before she could protest, he stood up and headed for the door. She knew they had agreed to wait, but she couldn't remember why at that moment. She heard the shower turn on and lay there, imagining his wet body being soaked in the warm water. It had been way too long since she had been touched, let alone satisfied. Her resolve was quickly melting away. If he was going to keep hanging around, they were going to be in trouble. She wasn't sure how long she had been fantasizing about him when he hollered, all yours. She padded down the hall into the bathroom. It was all steamed up and she welcomed the warm water on her skin. She stood under the hot water for a while, just letting the stress of the last few weeks melt away from her body. Eventually, she got out, figuring it was about time to go to work. She towel-dried her hair and let it hang down her back, then wrapped another towel around her body. She hadn't brought any clothes with her, so she headed out into the hall where she was met with the amazing smell of bacon and pancakes. She peered into the kitchen, and there stood Hudson in the tiny little space, humming as he cooked her breakfast. She couldn't help but smile. He glanced over and saw her looking at him still in her towel. Good Lord, woman, 
Go put some clothes on before you make me do something I shouldn't, Hudson said as he held out a large mug of coffee. She took a sip of the warm, soothing liquid. I hope that's the way you like it. I was guessing. I thought I remembered you saying something about sugar and creamer. It's perfect. She took a few steps toward him with a sexy grin on her face. I'll tell you what else I would like, she murmured as she got closer to him. He grinned. You're going to make me burn the bacon. I like my bacon crispy. And with that, she let her towel drop to the floor. He stared at her, unable to say a word. He knew she was beautiful, but here she stood in front of him in all her glory. His brain completely shut down. With a quick flick of the wrist, he turned the knob to the stove and walked over to her. Not saying a word, he pulled her into his body and lowered his head, kissing her deeply. His mouth felt warm and soft against her lips. Enticing and so much better than she'd ever dreamed of asking for, like pure heaven. He pulled away slightly, putting his forehead against hers. Are you sure about this? He asked, running his finger along the line of her chin and tucking a strand of hair behind her ear. Even with her standing there, her beautiful body against his, he would stop if she asked him to. Mac tilted her head slightly back and whispered, yes. That was all the encouragement he needed. He slid his mouth down to her neck and began kissing. She was simply stunning, a bronze goddess with lush, beautiful curves that inspired all kinds of inappropriate thoughts. He wanted her in every which way he could imagine. Cupping her ass in his large hands, he lifted her off the floor. She wrapped her legs around him and he almost lost it. She arched her back, showing him how much she wanted him. Her soft curves against his hard, chiseled body were almost more than he could stand. He hadn't been with anyone in so long, not since his ex-wife. He wanted to take his time and make sure she enjoyed herself as much as he knew he would. He gently laid her on the bed and stood back to look at her beautiful body. A sultry look crossed her face. Do you like what you see? She asked in a low, husky voice. You're perfect, was all he could say. She smiled and leaned forward, stroking him through his pants. He gently removed her hand. Not yet, he said in a low voice. This doesn't seem fair, she pouted playfully. You get to see all of me, touch me, play with me, but I don't get to do the same? He stepped back. It's just been, well, a while. And I want to make sure you enjoy this as well. How long is a while? She asked with a smile. Over two years. I see. If it makes you feel any better, it's been a long time for me as well. Now, if you don't take off those clothes, I'm going to think you don't want me. You'll never have to think that, he responded. He quickly slipped off his pants and with one quick gesture pulled his shirt over his head. Her breath caught. His body looked like it had been sculpted just for her. He was well-muscled and solid everywhere. She propped herself up on her elbows and looked at him longingly. Now turn around and let me see all of you. He smiled and slowly turned, wiggling his ass as he went. Now that is a nice view, she said. He came over to the bed and lowered himself over her. He began kissing her neck again and slid his fingers over her hard left nipple, giving it a soft squeeze. She moaned and arched her back in response. He slid his mouth down to her nipple, cupping one in his hand and pulling the other into his mouth. She responded with a low grumble in her throat. 
If she kept making those noises, he was going to lose it. Keeping one hand on her full round breast, he moved down her flat stomach, kissing and caressing until he came to her soft mound. He went between her legs, softly kissing and licking, and ran his finger gently across her clitoris. Her sweet, musky scent engulfed him. She started rocking back and forth as he slid his fingers inside her soft wetness, letting his tongue play over her until she closed her eyes and let out a throaty scream. He slowly started working his way back up her body, stopping at her nipples to play with each of them in his mouth. Tell me what you want, he moaned. She arched her back and pressed her hips into him, inviting him in. Yes, please, now, she pleaded. The urgency in her voice caused him to grow hungrier. Sensing his hesitation, she reached into the nightstand and handed him a condom. He smiled down at her. As he slipped it on and slowly entered her, fire flashed through her veins. She gasped as a throaty moan escaped her lips and her eyes shut in ecstasy. He loved the way she looked at that moment. He felt her growing urgency beneath him. Her strong legs wrapped around him. The feel of her nails digging in his back was almost more than he could handle. She contracted around him on the verge of explosion as his breath quickened and he erupted inside her. Chapter 34 The man was watching from the side window of Mac's home. His arousal intensified as he watched them play with each other. Mac was hot, but holy shit, he'd never imagined her body looked that good. He took a few deep breaths as he watched Hudson gather her up in his arms and cart her off to the bedroom for what he assumed would be some extremely hot sex. His imagination wandered to what it would be like when it was his turn. He thought about rounding the house to the bedroom window to watch the rest of the show, but decided against it. The last thing he needed was for someone to catch him. This is good, the man thought to himself. A sexy little love affair would be a good distraction for Mac. It would throw her off her game, hopefully. There was something about her. He knew he should just eliminate her, but couldn't bring himself to do it. Plus, there was too much attention on the case. If he took her out, people would look harder at the cases, especially if authorities found all the information and case files in her home. He sat on the wet ground, feeling the cold seep through his pants as he waited for them to finish. Maybe a suicide, he thought. That could work. She had lost everything, her career, her reputation, and he could spin it to be even worse than that. But he still wasn't sure anyone would buy it, and certainly not the people who truly knew her. Maybe he could leave them alone. He hadn't left any real evidence behind. Nothing that would truly point toward him. He had taken great care to shave his entire body and exfoliate to ensure he never left skin follicles or hair behind. He always wore a skull cap to cover his hair just in case. You never knew when a woman would get her hands loose and try to claw his skin or pull his hair. He would always wash them afterward if there was time. Except there hadn't always been time. He thought about those women, the ones he had possessed. But then there had been interruptions he hadn't counted on. Abigail had been easy. She had willingly gone back to his cabin, granting him all the privacy he needed to enjoy her. Elise had been subdued easily enough but he'd had only that nasty old hotel room to take her to. She had deserved better, but it had had to do. He hadn't expected her. She had just appeared like a gift. When she'd walked past him on her way to her yoga class, he hadn't been able to resist. She was just too perfect. 
So he rented a hotel room and enjoyed her there, but unfortunately he couldn't take her home. Well, at least she had made a great addition to his book. Liliana was a fighter. He had really enjoyed her. She was feisty and defiant. Her will to survive had been more than he'd seen in a long time. He had considered taking pity on her, but in the end, he had to have her. She was resting peacefully in his garden where she belonged. Then there was Zonira. Wow, that woman was something special and had almost convinced him that she was Sahar. But in the end, she wasn't. In his mind, they were all Sahar, until he realized they weren't. That, that he hadn't meant to kill her right there in base housing, but she had turned against him. And before he knew what had happened, she was lying there in a pool of blood. The force of the experience excited and scared him at the same time. He knew he had to control himself. Paranoia washed over him every time he thought about how that last one could come back to haunt him. Was I careful enough not to leave any of myself behind, he wondered. His mind wandered back to the present. The two as a pair seemed to be getting too close for comfort. Hudson was a large opponent and would need to be dealt with. That one would be tricky. He was a strong presence in the community, both on and off base. People liked and respected Hudson, but he was getting tight with Mac and would possibly help her solve the case. The man wasn't sure how to proceed, and then an idea began to form in his mind. He stood up and brushed off his pants. He had a little work to do. Chapter 35 Mac and Hudson ended up in a sweaty tangle of limbs, completely spent and satisfied. They lay there in each other's arms for a few minutes until their breathing returned to normal. A phone rang. Hudson leaned over Mac's naked body to grab his phone out of his pants, which were now piled up on the floor. He saw the security forces chief's number on the caller ID. Hi, chief. What can I do for you? Yes, chief, I'll be right in, Hudson responded in a crisp military tone. Mac propped herself up on an elbow, listening to one side of the conversation. She knew they were both running late, but she just couldn't feel guilty about it no matter how hard she tried. She should send Chaplain Bastion a quick text to let him know she would need some extra time this morning. She liked the chaplain and didn't think he would care. What was that all about? Mac asked after Hudson hung up. It appears I'm late and need to cover a few meetings for the commander. He grinned. I can think of worse reasons to be running behind. He reluctantly untangled himself from her and headed for another shower. He quickly rinsed off again. When he came back into the room, Mac was still lying there fiddling with her phone. She felt him looking at her and started to squirm, feeling self-conscious. What? Hudson blew out a low whistle. I may never get used to you. She smiled back at him. Now don't start that, or we'll both lose our careers. I'm going to take a little extra time this morning to follow up on some leads. We have to get to the bottom of this so life can get back to normal. Fair enough. I guess that means I should get to work. He slowly put on his uniform and grabbed his keys. Can I see you after work? She smiled. Of course. He bent down and kissed her and was gone. Hudson was lost in thought as he climbed into his pickup truck and headed down the road. He never saw the man in the shadows watching him. He eventually pulled out onto Highway 2 and headed to the base. His truck quickly accelerated to 60 miles per hour as the large, powerful engine hummed. The speed limit was 55, but Hudson figured it didn't matter if he went five over.
No one ever seemed to care. His thoughts kept returning to Mac. He had never met anyone like her. She was strong, sexy, could defend herself, and didn't take shit from anyone. It was certainly a unique combination and very hard to find. She was like his own personal catnip. On top of that, she could shoot. It was one of his favorite pastimes. He loved going out to the range to blow off steam. He couldn't wait to be near her again. Somehow over the last few weeks, she had become much more than just a woman he found attractive. She had found her way into his heart. He was becoming quite attached to her, but needed to give it time so he didn't scare her off. He knew she had all kinds of trust issues that he would have to get past. He thought about her beautiful smile and quick wit. He would do anything to keep a smile on her face. Hudson found himself humming a tune with a smile plastered on his face when he heard a loud pop that sent his truck veering toward oncoming traffic. His heart rate accelerated as he tried to pull the steering wheel hard to the right, but that only made things worse, sending the truck careening into an uncontrollable spin. His body felt weightless as he went airborne. The huge truck flipped up on its side and rolled upside down. He smashed his head into the windshield before the airbag deployed, and the truck finally settled back down on its side again. The man passed the mangled truck and smiled. One less thing to worry about. Now the only threat was Mac. From the looks of the wreckage, Hudson would not be walking away. The man felt a short twinge of guilt, but decided that people would just have to understand there were casualties when you were at war. It wasn't pretty. It was just the way it was. His main focus was to remain free until he could catch Sahar and stop her from killing others, no matter the cost. Chapter 36 Mac took another shower and looked over the evidence again. She put on her uniform and pulled her hair back into a bun. As she laced up her boots, she found herself lost in thought over the morning's events. Wow, that was all she could think. This one is going to hurt when it ends. She knew it couldn't last. Hudson was a good man. He was kind and made her feel safe, but she would have to let her guard down. And that was something she had yet to learn how to do. He had her rattled, and she really needed to go to work, check in, and try to put together a good profile of possible suspects. She didn't want to take advantage of Chaplain Bastion's kindness. He had been too good to her for that. Maybe if he had time, she would sit down with him and discuss Hudson further. She really didn't know what to do about Hudson. He was the first man in a long time she liked hanging around with. He was smart, funny, and kind. And that body of his just wouldn't quit. Every inch of him was amazing. But the most impressive part of it was the sleep. She smiled at the thought. Last night was the first time she had slept through the night without waking up. Warmth filled her body at the thought of his protective arms wrapped around her. He was unbelievable, and she was terrified. Letting him in meant letting her guard down and possibly getting hurt, but she wasn't ready to walk away yet either. She locked up her house and got into her little SUV. Nothing could ruin her mood, or so she thought. Humming to music as she drove, she worked her way through the neighborhood and then out onto Highway 2. The traffic on Highway 2 was backed up all the way to Craig Road. That was very uncommon. She rarely saw it jammed that far. She slowly pulled out in traffic, waving at the man who had let her in. Her vehicle slowly inched down the road. As she got closer, she could see emergency vehicle lights flashing ahead. That must be a nasty wreck, 
she said out loud to herself. She remembered a recent accident that had backed up Highway 2 for over an hour. A motorcycle rider had collided with a large SUV. Needless to say, the rider didn't make it. She sat back, waiting and humming along to a song on the radio. She was in the left lane so that she could drive onto the base when she got closer. There seemed to only be one vehicle involved in the wreckage. She couldn't tell what it was because the vehicle was so mangled, but her breath caught in her throat as she got closer. At first, it looked like any old pickup truck, but as she inched down the road, she could see the first Sergeant Diamond that adorned the back tailgate of Hudson's truck. She couldn't breathe and found herself pulling in behind one of the cop cars. This couldn't be. She had just been with Hudson less than an hour before. The air seemed to be caught in her throat. She climbed out of her vehicle and started blindly walking toward his mangled truck. A police officer intercepted her. Ma'am, you can't be here. I need you to get back in your vehicle and clear the scene. Mac didn't hear anything he said. She was pushing on the man blindly with tears running down her face. He was a young kid that looked like he had just come out of the academy. The young cop certainly wasn't prepared for this during his first week on the force. Is he? Mac trailed off. The young officer looked around for help to deal with the hysterical woman when an old GMC Jimmy pulled up behind the woman's vehicle. The young officer was grateful when he realized it was Joe Romero getting out from behind the wheel. He waved at Officer Romero and pointed down at Mac, who was still pushing on his chest. Joe walked over and gathered Mac into his arms just as she looked up to see them hoisting Hudson onto a stretcher. They quickly loaded him inside the back of an ambulance. Her eyes grew wide in horror at the sight of the man she had just shared her bed with. His face had blood running down the side. He looked pale but she could see his chest still moving up and down. Mac took several deep breaths, trying to calm herself. What happened? I'm not sure, Joe admitted. Let's follow him to the hospital and find out about his condition. Could look worse than it is. Um, I have to move my car, she said absently. I'll get one of the patrolmen to park it in a parking lot down the road. We can come back and pick it up later. Joe tucked her into his old SUV and shut the door. He went over and handed the keys to one of the young patrolmen and asked him to take it to a safe place. He found out where the ambulance had taken Hudson and went back to his SUV. He found Mac sitting there with a blank expression on her face. The tears were no longer flowing. She had turned pale and was just staring ahead. Are you okay? Joe asked softly. She nodded her head up and down. Where did they take him? He's going to Deaconess off of Fifth. If we head out now, we should get there shortly after he's admitted. Do you know any of his contact information? No, um, we never really talked about that kind of stuff, Mac responded. I need to call his chain of command to make sure they're aware of the situation. And I need to let mine know where I'm going to be, she said. The last thing I need on my shoulders is an AWOL charge. That would just top this week off beautifully. Joe smiled sympathetically at her. Hudson will be okay, Mac. He's a fighter. If anyone can pull through something like that, it's that huge doofus. They fell into an uncomfortable silence for the rest of the ride to the hospital. Joe showed his credentials when they arrived and asked to be updated as soon as they knew something. Mac and Joe sat in the waiting room. She paced back and forth, unable to sit still. Do you want me to get you some coffee? Joe asked. Sure, thanks, Mac said absently. 
Shortly after Joe walked out of the room, a doctor came out from behind the swinging doors that led to the back of the hospital. He was a short, stocky man with large bags under his eyes. His balding head made him look older than she imagined he was. He had a grim look on his face that made Mac's heart stop. She tried to calm herself. Doctor, do you know the status of Gavin Hudson? Mac asked and held her breath. The doctor exhaled. Yes, are you his next of kin? No, Mac said honestly. I'm a friend. Joe Romero, the officer who's investigating Mr. Hudson's case, should be right back. Well then, I'm Dr. Peter Wilkinson. I'll be taking care of Mr. Hudson. Can you at least tell me if he's going to be okay? She asked with a desperate edge to her voice. He is. The doctor trailed off as Joe walked up and handed her a coffee. Joe, this is Dr. Wilkinson. We were waiting for you so he could tell us how Hudson is. Nice to meet you, Joe said. Mac looked at the two men impatiently. She cleared her throat. Hudson's status, she blurted. Yes, overall he's going to be fine. However, he has a few broken ribs, a concussion, a dislocated shoulder, and a lot of soft tissue damage. It's going to take him a while to get back on his feet. He took one hell of an impact blow, but his airbag saved his head for the most part. We still don't know if there will be any lasting effects. Only time will tell. Preliminarily, it appears he'll make a full recovery. He's going to need a lot of care while he recuperates. Does he have any family in the area that we should call? His mother, though she's not local, Joe offered. I can give her a call and let her know what happened. Thank you, Officer Romero, Dr. Wilkinson responded. The doctor stood there for a few seconds looking at the two of them. I have to ask, if this was a basic traffic accident, then why are you here? Joe had anticipated the question. I'm friends with Mr. Hudson. I have reason to believe there may have been foul play. I see. We'll look at the truck as soon as we get it back to the police impound. Could you notify me if there's any change in Mr. Hudson's status? Joe asked. He handed Dr. Wilkinson a business card. Certainly. Can we go see him? Mac asked. Sure, but he needs his rest and is heavily sedated, so he may not even know you're here, Dr. Wilkinson replied. They quietly walked into Hudson's room. The machines attached to his body monitoring his breathing and heart rate looked terrifying. There was an IV attached to his arm in the oversized bed they had him in. There were thick white bandages around his head and rib cage, and bruises and cuts everywhere. But at least he was breathing. Mac took comfort in watching his chest rise and fall. She sat down in the seat next to his bed and held his hand. Joe quietly cleared his throat. Mac, I'm going to go look at his truck. I get the feeling that this wasn't an accident. Hudson took good care of that truck. He's one hell of a mechanic and never lets things go. I can't imagine he would have missed something bad enough to cause his truck to malfunction like that. Mac nodded. I'll stay here with him. Let me know if you find anything. And Joe? Thank you. What for? For taking care of me, getting me here, watching out for Hudson. You're a good friend, Joe. You guys would do the same for me, he said and walked away. Chapter 37 Mac paced for a while and then finally sat in the uncomfortable seat in the corner of the room. She wasn't exactly sure what to do. There was very little she could do for Hudson except try and be there if he woke up. She settled in and started looking at her phone. After waiting for a while, she began to doze off, 
only to have her nap disturbed by a high-pitched beep. At first, she thought it was one of the machines hooked up to Hudson, but then she listened carefully and realized it was coming from her bag. She reached down to root around in the bottom. It was like a bottomless pit in there. She really needed to clean the thing out. Eventually, she found the source of the annoying noise and quickly silenced the phone. It was her encrypted device that she used to communicate with her sister. Lola had texted her, I may have him, call me. She quietly got up, not wanting to disturb Hudson, and walked out the door and down the hall. After some navigating through the maze of hallways, she found an exit out into a lush green courtyard. It was quite beautiful, with a small table and chairs in the center of towering evergreens and some skeletal-looking dogwoods. She couldn't wait until everything was in bloom again. Washington was such a beautiful place when everything came alive in the spring. As much as she hated the winters here, she absolutely loved the spring and summer. It was still cold outside, but the sun managed to peek through the clouds. Lola answered on the first ring. Hey, sis, how's it going? Mac made an unladylike sound. That bad, huh? Yeah, pretty bad, actually. Hudson, that guy I've been working with and, well, kind of seeing. He was in a car accident this morning shortly after he left my house. Wow, that's not good. How is he? Lola asked with concern. He'll survive, but he's going to be a little beat up for a while, Mac said. So what do you have for me, Lola? I'm glad to see nothing ever changes. You're all business. You know I didn't mean it that way. I just have a sinking suspicion that Hudson's truck was sabotaged, and it wasn't just a mechanical malfunction. Joe, the cop I've been working with, said that Hudson is meticulous about maintaining his truck. Do you think I'm being paranoid? Not really. It looks like someone has been watching you. I caught a figure outside your house this morning via your neighbor's security camera. I couldn't get a clear view of him through the trees, but there was definitely someone there. Mac's heart dropped. Do you know what time exactly? It looks like he showed up at about 0700 hours and left sometime around 0820 hours. As far as I can tell, he followed your boyfriend's truck out onto Highway 2. I couldn't see them after they left your place. I'm still searching for another video from traffic cameras or storefront security along the highway. Okay, okay, that could be our guy. The first thing that slipped into Mac's mind was what they had been doing during that time. That time window meant whoever had been watching the house had gotten quite a view. She felt self-conscious, but would have to deal with that later. Right now, she had a murderer to catch. Did you get any pictures for me? You insult my skills, dear sister. Of course, I have pictures, but I'm afraid they're not very clear. I'm still looking at surveillance from some of the other locations we know he's been. For now, I just have the pictures from your place. It might give you an idea of who he is, but I'm not sure. It's certainly not clear enough to run through facial recognition software. You're the best. Thank you. How are you holding up out there? Oh, you know, same, same. Though I have been hearing some rumblings about the family. I'll fill you in when this is all over with. Watch your back. This guy you're after seems like a nasty character. I know you can handle yourself, but don't let your guard down. Um, I gotta go, Max said abruptly as she watched the SFS chief walk toward her. Are you okay? Lola asked. Yeah, I just gotta go. Call me when you find something more. Thanks, sis. I owe you one. Take care. Mac hung up before Lola could say anything more. 
Max slipped her phone into the inside of her jacket so Chief wouldn't see it. No one knew about Lola, and she wasn't about to share that information with anyone, not even Chief. She took a deep breath and then walked back into the hospital, plastering a smile on her face that reached nowhere near her eyes. Mac, I've been looking all over the place for you, Chief said. The nurse said you were here with Hudson. I didn't realize you guys were close. I'm sorry this happened. Do you know what malfunctioned on his truck? No idea, but the accident was horrible, and I'm pretty sure the truck was totaled, Mac said, relieved that Chief didn't inquire about her relationship with Hudson any further. Has anyone notified his family? As far as I know, Officer Romero called his mother, but I'm not 100% sure. I see. Well, thank you for being here for Hudson. How did you find out about the accident so quickly? What is this, the Spanish Inquisition? Mac wondered. She cleared her throat. I passed the wreckage on my way to work this morning and recognized his truck. I just wanted to make sure he was okay. Smart thinking. We have to make sure we take care of our own, Chief said. Now, let's go back up the stairs to see how he's doing. The commander is up there waiting. They started walking back through the maze of sterile, cold hallways to Hudson's room. During their walk, Mac filled Chief in on what she knew of Hudson's condition. Wow, that's unfortunate, he said. It'll be a long healing process for him, but we're very pleased he'll be okay. How long did the doctor say he'll be out of commission? Not sure, Mac responded. Only time will tell. They walked back into Hudson's room and her heart sank at the sight of him all over again. She just couldn't wrap her mind around how one minute he was in her arms, and the next, he was in a hospital bed with a bunch of machines hooked up to his body. The commander walked up to her and shook her hand, thanked her for being there, then excused himself to talk to the doctor. An awkward silence fell across the room as they looked at Hudson lying there unconscious. Well, there's nothing more we can do here, Chief said. Make sure you keep checking in so my people have accountability for you. Yes, sir, I know. I already let Chaplain Bastion know where I am and why. Good to hear, Mac. I know this will turn out okay for you. Just keep your head down and wait for the storm to pass. I'm here for you if you need anything. Okay, Chief, thank you, she said, trying to smile. She was thankful for Chief's support, but was starting to feel less sure that everything would work out. Things were getting out of hand. Chief seemed satisfied and headed for the door. She liked and respected Chief, but she was relieved to see him go. She needed some quiet time to focus and get to the bottom of this. The clock on the wall ticked audibly as she waited to ensure she was alone, and they wouldn't be coming back anytime soon. Once she felt secure, she pulled her laptop from her backpack and opened her email. Inside, she found a message from one of Lola's many Gmail accounts. That girl had more aliases than anyone she'd ever met. If Lola ever decided she wanted to disappear, Mac knew she would likely never find her again. That worried her. She hoped Lola was doing okay and not just putting on a front. She missed her other siblings as well, but they weren't as close. The difference was, they had picked their side, and unfortunately, they had sided with their mother. She wondered if her father was still out there somewhere. She sure hoped so. The internet connection at the hospital was slow, and it seemed to take forever for the email to load and the PDF file her sister had attached to open. It said nothing. It just had pictures attached. This didn't surprise Mac. Her sister was cautious about what she said across the open internet. If anyone ever found her, it would not be good. The photos finally loaded on her computer. 
Lola was right. The photos were grainy. She couldn't make out many details about the man who had clearly been watching her home. As far as she could tell, he was a taller man with what looked like a muscular build. He appeared to be doing something to the passenger tire of Hudson's truck. She wondered if that was what had caused him to crash. She brought up the second picture and maximized it on her screen. It was a shot of Hudson's truck leaving her driveway and heading down the road. In the background, she could see the side of the stalker's head but couldn't make out any details. She flipped to the next photo to find the man walking away from her house. Mac assumed he was headed to his own vehicle somewhere outside of the camera's view. There was something familiar about the way he stood in the picture, but she just couldn't put her finger on it. As we close today's captivating episode on Book TV, don't forget to check out Novel Nutrition. Tailored for book lovers, our supplements are designed to complement your reading lifestyle. Use code BOOKTV for a 20% discount on your first order at novelnutrition.co. Enhance your reading experience with Novel Nutrition, and don't forget that every purchase helps support an author.